Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know, we got a zone deal. Whoa, what's it for? Lulabee's Breakfast, Brunch, and Bar. They'll have, uh, they got your French toast, they got your omelets, they got your pancakes. They even got shrimp tacos, burgers, cocktails, and more. And you can get two $25 vouchers, which is a $50 value for just 25 bucks. Starting tomorrow morning at 1620thezone.com. That's awesome. Dion writes, how many days till spring ball? And then a sad emoji. John, is that what this segment's about? No. No. Oh. You know, because it used to be that, you know, people paid attention to other things outside of football. What? What? Who are these people? How do we get rid of those people? Well, we're not getting Whoa. rid of them. That's what Nebraska ball Mike said, Nick. It's a drop. But it is time for the Big Red Big Bart update. Look at this. Holy crap. Things have changed since last night's win. Mm. Nebraska, who has been sitting on the last four in, last four buys. Well, thanks to last night, they have been bumped outside of the last four buys, which means they are more safely in the field than at any point since we started doing the Big Red Big Bart update. Which is about a month old now, I believe. It's about a month old. 80, well, even rounded up, 81% chance. Wow. Of making the tournament. Wow. That's almost 100. Yes. Nebraska is now... Comfortably on the 10 seed line, flirting with the 9 seed line. And again, remember, Bart Torvik, his tournament projections are projecting the end of the season. Not, It's not a snapshot of who would get in today and where would they be. It's a snapshot of where I think these teams will be at the end of the regular season, which is only a couple of weeks away. So last night's win certainly had a big impact on that. Because it bumped them up considerably in terms of percentages. And remember, Nebraska's been losing all of these road games, which has usually set them back. In fact, had they lost last night, I believe Nebraska would be in the area of where you're looking, if if you're watching on the, uh, uh, the YouTube channel, 1620 The Zone TV, or 1620 The TV, as we might be calling it someday. Nice. Nebraska would be down in that neighborhood with Seton Hall in Utah right now. Yeah. And the team shaded in gray, those are the last four in. Because so those, they are the they are the, those would be the those would be the for the first four games. Correct. Nevada, Virginia, Seton Hall, Utah currently, according to Bart's projections. But Nebraska is now moving comfortably away from that line and they've even moved up to the best of the 10 seeds, which is outside of the last four buys. 
category, of which Northwestern, South Carolina, Wake Forest, and Florida Atlantic currently are right now. The resume, as it looks, the net ranking is up as high as it's been since we started doing these sneak peeks. Yep. Up to 43. Uh, Nebraska is now 3-7 and seven against quad one. They actually, Minnesota actually flipped from a quad two to a quad one loss um, with the results of yesterday. Mm-hmm. That's why Nebraska now has 10 quad one games. They've only won three, but they've got 10 now. And they're 4-1 and one against quad two. And because of Minnesota moving up, Minnesota, which is the next home game on Sunday, for the moment, is a quad two game now. It's not a quad three anymore. Yeah. So you kind of hope that they obviously stay in that in that range. Uh, Ohio State is still a quad one. Rutgers a quad three. And Michigan a quad two game. And as you can see by the Big Red Big Bard update, the projected record is now 22 and nine. Remember Which is yesterday's also a game, high point, right? Yeah, yesterday's game was a projected loss. Yes. The, most of the season they have been hanging out in the 21 and 10 and I do believe that there was a 20 and 11 spell yes. for a game or two about a, a couple of weeks ago. But this is the best record that we have ever seen them have in terms of projected numbers for the rest of the season. And and in in a way, kind of going back to the crossover and the discussion about analytics um, and our reliance on whether it's this or Ken Palm, uh, I think the thing that is so important about last night. All of these numbers are great. These Mm -hmm. numbers are the best they've been all season. That stuff is super important. But for me, it was, can you just get a win on the road and can you kind of exhale? And I don't know about you, John, and I wanted to talk about this with Robin too when he joins us at the bottom of the hour uh, next hour, but I think that how last night happened is oddly like a best-case scenario for them to finally win a road game. They get up big, so they perform very well. The game ends up getting close, and they, at one point, a 22-point lead dwindles to a three-point lead. It's a one-possession game. We know the, the feeling of the fan base in that exact moment. And Fred Hoiberg tells a story after the game where he goes into the huddle and says, it's the under-12 timeout. If I would have told you we would have had this lead at the under-12 timeout, we would have all signed up for it. And then they, they're able to then pull away. So if, if they end up blowing last night, of course, what I, w- I wouldn't be saying this. But given that they fought through that adversity, I think that's massive for them. I really do. Yeah, it was a career night for Jamarcus Lawrence with 19 points. Nebraska hit 14 threes last night. And and it did. I mean, it had the it had the early second half vibe of the Rutgers game. Because that was another game that Nebraska had comfortably in hand on a couple of occasions on the road before they let it get away. And that's a great way to look at it as a coach. Um, you know, there was that moment two nights ago uh, over at CHI where, you know, uh, UConn had cut the 23-point game down to 10 with four and a half minutes to go, and Mac used a timeout. Yeah. And I even said as much on the air. I said, listen, if you would have asked 18,000 people in this building before the game, four and a half minutes to go, you're up 10, would you take this? Everybody would have signed on the dotted line. Mm -hmm. And that's the same psychology that Fred Hoiberg used. Hey, guys. 12 minutes to go on the road. We're up three. This is where we wanted to be. And just resetting that mindset and getting people to settle down uh, was was enormous. Yes. And and they pulled away. They, they absolutely pulled away. 
Because usually when you give up that big a run on the road, it does not end well. Anytime the home team can go on a 20-3 to run, that's, that's usually spelling disaster. Mm-hmm. But then Lawrence hit a three, um, and Nebraska answered on a 14-1 to run, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, why not Horberg says, how did Minnesota simultaneously become a quad one loss, but a game against them this weekend is a quad two game? Because of where, because of where the game's played. Yeah, because if, if it's a road game, quad one is top 75. If it is a home game, quad one is top 30. Correct. And as always, this is, you know, I, I think that like we put these graphics together and I'm not calling out any of these discussions, but they are sorting mechanisms. Yes. They know the difference. The committee is not idiotic. They're not going to say, well, Minnesota was a quad one loss, which equals or is, is worse than a quad one win over Purdue or you know, Wisconsin. Right, yeah. It's, it's, a, a, it's a way to sort games. It's a way, to, it's, it's a sorting mechanism, but trust me, they will get, you know, when, when it gets to nut cutting time here in a couple of weeks, when, they, when they're talking about those last few teams in, They'll drill a lot closer, mm-hmm. which is another reason why, if you're a team like a Nebraska, you want to get so much on the good side of the bubble that you're not a big part of the discussion. Yeah. Because it's when they start doing the drilling down of really parsing the quality of the quad one wins and the quality of the quad two wins and 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 talking about the eyeball test. This isn't just a situation where the committee sits down and just looks at a ton of numbers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of scouting that goes on. I was talking with Bruce Rasmussen recently. Of course, Rass, former Creighton Athletic Director, was on the committee, was the chair of the committee. The number of games that he would watch during a season. I mean, he was watching games all the time. He was watching them live. He was watching them taped. He was watching them while he was on the treadmill. <laughs> he would watch... I mean, he, he, you know, he'd have he'd have the multi TV setup. Hell yeah, man! After my own heart. That's how that's how a lot of these committee members approach their job. So there's an eye test about this too, and I'm, I'm you know, to some people that might scare some folks because you know we hear eye test and we think that's bad. Yes, there's a lot of numbers that go into this, but it's a combination of all of those factors. Mm-hmm. So if you're Nebraska, a win like that, and the and the and the Bart update that we gave you just a minute ago. If Nebraska's sitting in that spot, that high 10 seed, low 9 seed area on selection Sunday, there's going to be a lot there's they're not going to be involved in as many discussions because they'll already be considered in. Correct. Then it's just about where are they going to play? Then it's about where they're going to play. Who are you playing? Where are you seated? But if they're sitting in a spot like a Virginia sitting in right now according to Bart or mm-hmm. Seton Hall is sitting in right now, you're going to have a lot of drilling down. You're going to have a lot of people comparing games and saying, yeah, you know, I saw this team against X and I thought this. And and you'll be talked about a lot more. So that's why that's why last night was important. And, too. and you know what, John? Now we don't have to talk about the road stuff anymore. They've now done it on the road. And yes, right. their now, road splits now, aren't very good. No. But at least they have gotten that discussion. We can push that off to the side. So right, metrically because, it's good and emotionally it's good. Right. Now that's not to say that they could, you know, now. Yeah, now you can lose. <laughs> you now, don't want to lose on Sunday now, right? Like now no. I, I continue to. No, think, you, listen, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna waste some, a lot of the goodwill of correct. today if you, if you lose on if you lose on Saturday, because that's the strong point of Nebraska's resume. Yeah, that's is the that funny. They are so good 
at home. That's the funny thing now is, I mean, it's been this way for a, a few weeks, but every game is kind of this high wire act where sure it is. every win in a weird way actually puts more pressure on the game than that will follow it. Sure. Um, and, and look, had they lost last night, there still would be pressure on Sunday. And, and honestly, probably more. But it just, it's like you don't want to waste that. You don't want to waste the goodwill. They, they continue to show that they, in my opinion, are a good basketball team. They, you don't have to qualify it with any other thing. But you just don't want to have to, to then have to have those qualifying conversations. So they got another win. I don't care how bad Indiana is. Like, you, you did it. Um, and they continue to put themselves in a really solid spot. Uh, and just looking towards tonight, if you're wondering who you should be rooting for, mm. uh, this is what Bart says. Some of the bigger games tonight. You see Santa Barbara against Irvine. You like Santa Barbara. Oregon, Stanford. Bart says Oregon. Ohio State, Minnesota. Now, this is interesting because Nebraska plays both these teams, but uh, it would actually help in Bart's metrics if Minnesota wins tonight over Ohio State. And then uh, just looking ahead, and this is what I talk about when I say leverage, that 14%, that's the difference. So if you look if you look mm-hmm. in the bid one column, a Nebraska win bumps them up to almost 84% in the tournament. They lose that game, they're down under 70%. Mm-hmm. Which, if you flip over a yeah. couple of pages, now puts you in the category of last, Nevada, Virginia, yeah. Seton Hall, who are yeah. sitting in that. Last in four that, in. In that last four so in. A loss, so in theory, puts you into the uh, first four kind yeah, of matchup. Set, sets you back a little bit. Whereas a win, you just, I mean, it continues to solidify solidify your spot. It continues to solidify it. And that's not even counting. I mean, that's just looking at tonight, not to mention Friday games, not to mention Saturday games, and not to mention all the other games on Sunday. But the good news is, the good news is, and part of it's because we're later in the season, but it's also that, excuse me, Nebraska's been winning. These leverages have started to drop. Yeah, they've gotten a lot smaller. They've started to drop. A couple of weeks ago, Nebraska had games that, you know, could have a 25 to 30% swing in fortunes based on a win or a loss. Mm-hmm. But the deeper we get in the season, the more data points that we have, and the better a team does. Like, for example, I mean, Creighton has no games that really have leverages above, like, you know, seven-tenths of a percent because they're so solidly in the field. That it doesn't affect them. And that's the way it is with those teams at the top. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're getting down to it. But huge, huge, huge win last night. And there's your big red, big Bart update. Wow, you're right, man. So I'm looking at uh, Creighton Games uh, tonight, for example. The highest leverage is Grand Canyon at Tarleton State. Creighton fans rooting for Tarleton State. That has a leverage of .007. Yeah. Whew, a lot on the line for Creighton yeah. in that one tonight. Yeah, no, dude, they're not even reaching a percentage point. Any, even the Creighton-St. John's game. So you would figure this is going to have the largest leverage of any of these games, and it does at .049. So, yeah, they, they don't need to worry about that. Now they do for seeding, but certainly not. Yeah, yeah, for seeding, but yeah, as far as actually getting in the tournament, that's what, uh, that's what all of that is about. Uh, it was right before the game last night that Trev Alberts did his radio show on the Husker Network and talked about the basketball teams. Mm -hmm. And Trev Alberts credited both Fred Hoiberg and Amy Williams for creating teams that, quote, our fans can identify with. Fans can appreciate it when they see Jazz Shelley diving on the floor or Alexis Markowski down low. They love it when Jawan Gary is 
doing his thing. I think that's part of it, but again, I think it's our fan base. We can't take them for granted. Put a product on the court they can identify with, and you'll have an environment that's very difficult for opponents to win in. And that's certainly true. I mean, both teams have been playing really well. The interesting thing is this is the first public appearance yeah. for Trev Albert since the lawsuit that was filed by former Husker player Ashley Scoggin on Sunday and was made public on Monday. So, yeah, that certainly doesn't sound like yeah, there when, should be any concerns about... Well, that's the interesting thing is, you, you, you know, he knows it's out there. Everyone yeah. knows it's out there. And by the way, he was not asked about but to say, the lawsuit. Proud of. But to know. say that, you know, both coaches are creating identities our fans can identify with would seem to indicate to me, and listen, you know, when you're in a spot like this, you're always going to project confidence and um, that, you know, what it is you're doing is right. And if, you know, if someone's someone's suing you, you're not going to give them any, you're not going to give give them any ammunition, but would seem to identify to me that while there may be concern it's not to the level of, you know, Amy Williams is in any, any kind of trouble. If he wouldn't have mentioned her or if he just would have made some very generic comments, you wouldn't say things like Coach Hoiberg and Coach Williams create teams our fans can identify with if one or e- if either or both of those coaches were in any kind of trouble. Agreed. Because naturally, the first inclination is to say, no, wait a minute, isn't that coach accused of creating this environment that allowed for this terrible thing to happen? So my guess is that Nebraska is not feeling, while they never like to be sued, and certainly this is unprecedented, I'm trying to remember the last time a Nebraska student-athlete sued the school, certainly nothing over a sexual uh, nature. I'm guessing that they feel pretty confident in their position right now. And we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, just got a message from someone just saying, wouldn't expect Trev to comment on the situation considering his name is in the suit too. Right, but the fact that yeah, he was not asked about it. Yes, and th- that's why when I hear that the way he said it, um, and that in particular, I think that if if there was any concern or if they were thinking of moving on or if that was going to happen, I don't think he would wor- use the words that he would have. I think there's a different way that you can say those types of things. Yeah. But that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't think you would put yourself out there publicly by that saying something like that if you didn't publicly think that strongly about that individual. Mm-hmm. And you're not say and you're not even saying it in conjunction with the it, this wasn't like a Amy's a great person, she's you know, she's this, she's that, she would never do anything like this. No, he was he was speaking matter-of-factly as if this lawsuit didn't exist. Yeah. No, I was not expecting to hear a massive update last night from Trev. That's not what I'm implying at all. But by commenting in this way seems to indicate to me, at least for the moment, that you know Nebraska feels good about its position Agreed. with its women's basketball coach. Agreed. And you know the only thing that we have right now is that public statement that was put up by the university on Monday, which essentially said, "We're not going to comment, but we're not going to. We disagree yeah. with these. We're not going to comment. We disagree. Yep, exactly. And now it'll be up to the attorneys to figure out what's next. Mm-hmm. 
All right, still to come, Robin Washett will uh, get into more of the nuts and bolts about how Nebraska won the game. Mm-hmm. Also later to come, the cost of being in the game. And should Thomas Fedoni be upset? Not at me this time, though. Not Josh this time. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. This time. Yeah. On 1620 The Zone. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.